Join us at Only Believe for two Christmas Eve services on Saturday, December 24th, one at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., featuring Christmas music, communion, and of course, a beautiful candlelight to end these services. We will also be having church Christmas morning at 10 a.m. Come early for seasonal treats. Your whole family is invited. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Jesse DePlanis. I'm coming to Only Believe Church right there in Botkins, Ohio, January the 7th at 6.30 p.m. and Sunday, January the 8th at 10 a.m. We're going to have a glorious time around the throne of God. I always start my year off of 2023 right there at Only Believe Church in Botkins, Ohio. I love Peter and Phyllis Dozak. They're just such blessing of the Lord. Let me say it one, one more time. We will be there January the 7th at 6.30 p.m. on a Saturday night and Sunday morning, January the 8th at 10 a.m. Bring a friend, share a miracle, and watch God do some wonderful things. See you soon. Bye-bye. This is the story of a ragtag bunch of church members who set out to perform a Christmas play and the director who tried his hardest to just keep it all together. The glory of Christmas. There's a little bit of controversy over my choice to cast Tony as the wise man in our church nativity play because, well, Tony can sometimes be... Yep, that's... That's some good birch. Birch? Why would they use birch? It's not even indigenous to Israel. Did you? Tony's just a little bit of a know-it-all. Hmm. Did Acacia not even cross your mind? That's probably Birch. Potato salad is of German origin, brought over here by European settlers. You know, fascinating point. The carb load on that is 37 grams. Great for uh, marathon runners. There's no doubt that Tony knows a lot of useless facts, but when he doesn't know something? Now, of all the wise man's gifts, myrrh was the most profound. He's used to prepare body for burial. What does real myrrh smell like? Uh, I imagine it has like a lush floral scent. Nah, it's woodsy, warm, aromatic. Busty. Oh, uh, my mom leads the essential oils small group. Hmm. But there's a certain something about Tony, something that he doesn't even see about himself. Put your shoulder into it so it doesn't strip the head. Hey, well done. That's good. Good job. Tony has the kind of heart that understands where the real treasures are. What they are, who they are. Andy understands the King of Kings came first as the lowly servant. Baby, this beautiful gift, this the glory of God.
glorious Christmas, who would eventually sacrifice himself for us. For me, well, let's just say, with that kind of knowledge, you can never approach the manger quite the same way again. That's why he's the wise man. Good morning, church family. I love these videos. Something to relate to in each one of them, even though they're meant to be funny, they're meant to be humorous and everything, but you still something, oh, that's me, that's me. Well, welcome everyone. We are so glad that you are in the house with us today. Uh, we get to celebrate today, right? Because it's not just Christmas time that we get to celebrate. It is every day, every Sunday, we get to celebrate our Lord and Savior, amen? If you're watching via live stream, we are so glad that you tuned in with us. Share this with somebody, encourage them, leave a like, leave a comment, let us know that you're watching, let us know how we can pray with you. We would love to be there for you. Uh, we do have, um, if you are a first time guest, uh, there is a red card in the back of the pew in front of you. If you fill that out and take it out to the Welcome Center, we just wanna get connected with you, find out how we can be there to support you and help you and pray for you. We just wanna be able to be there for you when you need somebody. Uh, we do have a couple of announcements today. There are invite cards on your seat uh, for our Christmas services. So take those out pass them out to somebody, leave them on the tables in the break room at work, share them with somebody that they would be able to come and hear the good news that we already know about. It's an easy way to invite them to church. It's just hand them that card. Uh, then we also have the 21 days of prayer and that will be beginning on January 8th and it'll go through January 28th. Our Sunday and Wednesday services will be including prayer. Then Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, we will be joining together from 6 to 7 p.m. And on Saturday mornings, we will be praying from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. So this week when I was pondering, God, what, what am I gonna do for the opener today? What am I gonna do to encourage my brothers and sisters? And I was walking through Walmart of all places with my nine-year-old son, and he stops. I want this. Like, well, yeah, you do. Every kid wants something at Christmas time. Like that, that's all. You, that's all that's on your mind. And we started walking on, and then I had a check in my spirit. He's expectant. He knows what Christmas means for him. He knows that we set aside money, and start budgeting out Christmas months before it happens. He knows that there is something there for him. And I know this isn't normally the, the way that we read this verse, but this is the verse that was dropped into my heart. It's Matthew seven and verse seven, all the way down through 12, says ask right off the bat, telling us what we need to do. It says ask and it will be given. It doesn't say it might be given. It says it will be given. So ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives 
and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you that if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Church, when our children ask for a Christmas present, we don't give them something totally opposite. We go, okay. And we do what we can to make sure that they have that present. Church, our heavenly father gave us the present that we need. And it was the present that went to all, all people. The shepherds who were the lowest, the smelliest, the outcast, the ones who stayed on the outside of the city watching the sheep, all the way to the wise men. God gave us the same, exact same gift. And it was exactly what the shepherds needed and it was exactly what the wise men needed. It was Jesus. How much joy should we have every single day knowing that we have that gift, that we get to give that gift to those around us. And it doesn't have to be shoving it down their throats. It can be just how simple we live our lives, letting our light shine before men. So church, there is joy in this house today. And we can celebrate knowing that as Christmas is a reminder of his birth, we get to give that gift all year long. So if you would stand to your feet with me, let's get into worship today. the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. Oh, we shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung upon that cross And he rose up from that grave My God still rolling stones away There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today 
we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. Because we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Right there, hey, right there. I want you to listen. Just listen to that section for a minute. We were the beggars, but now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, but now we're running free. But we were running free. I, I, I mean, I've been shackled before at times. There, I've been shackled before, and there ain't nothing like being free from being shackled. I don't know what else more to say, but there is nothing more free. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. The beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. 
won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Oh, we shout out your praise. Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come, ye, oh, come. Bethlehem, 
praise this morning. Hallelujah. We've come to adore him. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah.
this room this morning. Let's lift our hands in worship. This is not a spectator thing where we do this for you. We first do this for Jesus, for an audience of one, and we all came together in unity today as the body of Christ to worship him because he's worthy. 
He's worthy this morning. He's worthy. He deserves our praise. He deserves our adoration. How could I not walk into this place and give him the praise that's due to him? How could I not call him holy? How could I not call him faithful and mighty and powerful and all-knowing, faithful to a generation after generation after generation? He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He deserves every ounce of who I am. I give to you today, Jesus. I've come to magnify your name. I've come to lift you on high. I'm not just build my life upon you. My life will be yours. My life will be yours. Lord, let me love like you. Let me look like you. Let me talk like you. Let my actions be your actions, Father. Lord, you are worthy. You are high and lifted up in this place. You are high and lifted up in our lives. Lord, not a moment will go by that I will not shout your glory, that I will not shout your praise. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're holy, Father. You're holy. We call you holy this morning. You're holy in everything you do. We worship you, Father. Oh 
as the Lord would speak and give us charges. We can receive those charges and go away the same. Or we can receive the charge, the word of the Lord, the prophecy that came forth this morning and grab it and apply it to our life. And I'm telling you that there's some of us here and I speak openly and candidly, transparent with you this morning that there's, there's times in our lives that we need to in the Old Testament, there was a time where they would open the cabinets and they were looking for any piece of leaven in their life. And leaven is something that makes something grow. It's yeast. So you literally, it takes such a small piece. And if for all of you women or men that bake, you understand how small a piece of leaven is. And they would open the cabinets and they would take everything out and they would literally use a brush to sweep in the corners to get out every piece of leaven so that they would not have anything in their lives that could grow anything that was bad. The prophecy that came forth today is God calling out to you and I. Is there a piece of leaven in your life that maybe you've neglected in the corner? I've tried to get to you. I've tried to convict your heart about it, but you've ignored me. And this is what draws you to become lukewarm. God is calling us to search our hearts and our lives today. 
So if you didn't do that during the service, please don't take this by chance. Because I'm telling you, God's coming back for a church that is spotless and without blemish. Here's the deal. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It means that you have to be willing to fix what is imperfect in order to change it and turn to towards who he is. He'll do the work. The Holy Spirit will do the work in you. It's not something you have to physically do on your own because if we could do it on our own, then we wouldn't need God. Please don't ignore the word of the Lord as it comes forth in the church. Or after the Lord returns, this church will be full and it should be empty. Got it? I don't want to be left here. I want to be with the Lord. So please do your due diligence. God's asking you to search your heart. Everything from Josh, what he spoke in the front, ask, seek, knock. It, seek me. Look to what I'm doing. Hear the word of the Lord and what it was saying. Those worship songs all went to holy today. Mom said, did you know what I taught on Friday night at our women's little Christmas thing? I said, no, it was holiness and sanctification. I had no clue. I'm telling you, God's doing a work corporately. Hear what the word of the Lord is saying. All right, I have the offering. I, we do have to move forward. It's 1043. Um, Jessica, where's Jessica this morning? I've asked Jessica to come forth. I was talking with Jessica on Wednesday night, and she joined a small group this year, um, just this last semester, and it was, it was Pastor Phyllis's, and they taught on finances. And I wanted Jessica to share her journey of tithing because I think it's really huge. And I think there's people, we all start somewhere. And I wanted to share her story with you because I thought it was so beautiful. Good morning, church. A lot of you might be seeing me for the first time, but um, I've been on Dream Team for a couple years up here and in the youth. It's been one of the greatest things in my life. I love this church so much. Um, I did get to join a small group this year um, and it was eye-opening. Um, one of the things that I love about it is that you can't really be a good steward if you don't have the knowledge of how to do it correctly. So that was my favorite thing about that when I started taking notes. I'm a note taker. <laughs> I'm going to be perfectly vulnerable and honest with you guys. I was not a good tither, okay? I was a lukewarm tither. If I had it, I gave it. And conviction was so strong on my heart when I'd come in here, I would bawl when I didn't have anything to give. Because I knew better. I've been in church my entire life, and I think it felt more like an obligation but after taking the time that I needed to figure out how to handle my finances and do what I was supposed to do, it became more about knowing that if I gave to God, I knew that it would be a blessing on me, but it would be a blessing on other people. And I know I'm serving here every day. So one of the greatest things happened to me is that one of the um, small group moments we had was she talked about, we have a heavenly account when we tithe. <laughs> And I needed new tires on my car, okay? Winter's coming, I, my tread, my mechanic told me it was kissing the rims. It was like, I was pushing it, guys, I was pushing it. I didn't have the money, but I had become a faithful tither, finally, and I know that sounds terrible, but like, I, I got the knowledge of how to be a good steward, and that means to take care of what God gives us. So. I was like, okay, I was in a car ride home and I remember leaving one of those small groups and we just had that discussion. And I'm sitting in the car and I look up and I'm like, all right, God, Pastor Phyllis says I have a heavenly account up there. I was like, I don't have the money for tires. Like, I just don't. And I have a savings account and everything else I started putting stuff into. And she says, that's not what you have. You don't have that. Pretend it doesn't exist. 
So you have to, you have to ask, and he will provide. And I tell you what, he provides. I ended up two days after this prayer in the car, I had gotten a text message from my old landlord that lived at my old apartment. I haven't lived there in two years, and he no longer owns that building, actually. He sold it. When I left, I left my deposit behind for the next tenant to bless them so that they would be able to stay there without needing a deposit. The landlord let me do that. Two years later, text message, two days after this prayer, I get a text message from him. Jessica, I have no idea why. I just want to pay you back for that deposit you left that person. Like, I just... And I go, really? You don't have to do that. And he's like, just send me your address. Like he said, I don't know why, but I moved to give you your money back. You did such a nice thing for somebody and I'd like to pay you back. So there it was. I sat in the car and as soon as I read that text message, I was like, it really does work. <laughs> Guys, be faithful. I'm telling you, like this stuff works. Be a good steward. God will take care of you. I promise. He took care of me. He shows up so much for us. Amen. Hallelujah. I couldn't let that story go. It had all the, the, the good content that we needed. The literal point is, is that when you tithe, it is put into a supernatural storehouse. And God says that he'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you cannot contain. But if you don't tithe faithful, you don't get the blessing continually or faithfully. So I encourage you, church, if you're maybe like Jessica was, and I know she's like, man, that's vulnerable, Pastor Nicole. I texted her at 6.30 this morning or last night, she responded to me. I'm like, I think you need to share that. She's like, okay, I will. She did an amazing job, but she became faithful with little so that God could give her much. Amen. Let's pray over your tithe and offering today. Father, we just come before you. And Lord, we know that your word is true. And Father, some of us may not be in that consistency level. But Father, today we're going to take an act of faith and make a commitment to do the word day in and day out and be a steward of what you've called us to be a steward over. And Father, to give you what is rightfully yours, the 10%, Father, we bring it into the storehouse that it can do your work, that it can provide for what you need it to provide for, knowing, God, that in return you will provide all that we have need of. Father, we thank you for it. We give it by faith today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come, give, be blessed. Don't forget, in the missions is the offering. There you go. I want to sing that song about...
the name of Jesus in the streets and in the mountains. And uh, Eric, would you get ready to come up and give us a report of where we've been? Hallelujah. That's where we were, and uh, so uh, they aren't watching us today, are they? I don't think so. Well, you never know. There are hour well, difference, but I, I had don't think the so. worst food in the world, besides what I've had at home. But usually, I really like Mexican, but but it was nothing was settling for me. 
So, uh, but we went there and we were in two different churches. Two different churches, you bet. Uh, one church was just about a year old, Pastor. Yeah. The other one's been there for about eight years. Uh-huh. Uh, they weren't mega churches. Usually we go to Mexico, we're going to minister in front of four and five and six and seven thousand people, potentially in one single church. We wanted to go to another spot that, so we could be a blessing to this church. And Pastor Tim Oss, that we know and love very, very much, has over close to 500 of Faith, Hope, and Love Centers all over the nation of Mexico. He has over like close to about 500,000 people under his leadership. And so he asked us to go there, asked Pastor to go there because he wanted to have miracle services, and of course we accepted. So it wasn't, you know, oftentimes we come up here and I share about 30,000 people come to Christ or 51,000 come to Christ. Well, we had about 350, 400 people come to Christ. Um, yeah. But when we're going to, amen, you know, angels cool. rejoice over one, so we're, we're excited about that. But we went there specifically to plant a seed, to be a blessing, to show, demonstrate the miraculous, knowing that if we did that, that people would come to Christ. And the churches grew by over a third in two different locations. It, yeah. Pastor Tim was just so amazed by, I mean, just it was wonderful to see those hands come up, people come forward to receive Christ. And we saw so many miracles every yeah. single night. The first yep. night, Pastor, I remember you praying for a woman that was paralyzed because of a stroke. Uh, pastor prays for her. She gets her mobility back. She stands up in front of the entire church, begins to walk. Several blind people that night were also got their eyesight back. And I remember the second night, we had three people there in wheelchairs. And uh, you know, various had cartilage issues and, and knees and, and, and legs. One woman had a rod in her leg that couldn't walk. Well, all three got up that night and walked in front of the entire congregation. God had healed them and set them free. It was a great, great time. That, that lady got healed and kept following me around the congregation. I she wasn't saved. She doesn't know church protocol. Yeah, so she doesn't know nothing. After she, getting her miracle, she starts tapping Pastor on the shoulder as he's talking to other people and saying, go pray for this person now. I kept yeah. ma'am, ma'am, please go back said, to your seat. I don't speak Spanish. I'm trying to be intervene. Get out of here. But... Pastor prayed for several of her yeah. of her family, her husband, yeah. who got who got got a miracle as well. I think a grandchild, a daughter as well. But it was a great it was a great great three days of miracles, yeah. Pastor. I know um, that little child that he prayed for that last night. I'm sorry, the second night there was a little baby about one years of one year of age. Of course, I know child, children typically begin to walk right towards maybe. 18 months, maybe longer, somewhere there. This child was probably about 12, maybe 13 months old. Well, her legs were bowed in. It wasn't just bowed in. Her feet were twisted inward. And the mother, you know, cries and tells Pastor's story. Well, Pastor prays for her and puts that child down. That child began to walk. I was just, I was, I watched that child the whole rest of the night for like the next 35, 40 minutes because that child was walking everywhere. And I thought, I could, my daughters couldn't walk at age one. I mean, it was maybe, say, 18, 19 months. But God touched that, that little girl's child. The legs went straight. She began to walk. The mother, of course, was just rejoicing. And I think one thing that blessed me that night, too, you, had, you prayed for a child, Pastor, about maybe eight years old, nine years old, a little boy. And he began to pre-praise for him, had really bad eyes, they could barely see it at all. And doctors had, had done what they could, but there was nothing else they could do. Well, Pastor prays for him. He sees clearly. Then the very next night, the he, child comes he back. He had a eye deformity. Yeah, some kind of degeneration, right? Yeah, eye degeneration. Couldn't, couldn't focus or see or anything, and we prayed for him. And yeah. His eyeballs got big. And he had a big smile on his face, and his mother began to cry and, of course, embraced him. Well, Pastor, the very next night, the first thing he calls out for is people that has eye trouble. And he says, that little boy here last night that was here the second night, he said, and the little boy comes with a big smile on his face, walking forward. He said, you know what? You're going to be a miracle worker tonight. And he asked him, he prays for, he, he has a little child pray for uh, a woman. She gets her eyesight back. Then another child had issues with seeing as well. He prayed for the child. The child got his eyesight back. 
So that was wonderful. And I think the one thing that blessed me the most, we had a, we went to the, the pastor, Pastor Max, that we went to, wonderful man of God, was called to the, nation, the city of Guadalajara, came from a great church in Monterey, Mexico. Um, about, uh, it was in 2020, he fell off a roof 40 feet and should have died. He landed, he landed on his left leg, shattered yep. everything. Um, and, of course, um, uh, he had, they, had, they had put a titanium rod in his left leg. The bones didn't fuse back together, so the bones in his leg were, were separated. And so he, he, could, he had no really no real strong mobility. He couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't stand his leg at all. Well, pastor said, I'm going to believe God for a miracle for you. That, and then the last night, the man had to walk on crutches, obviously, just to get around. It was a miracle live. He hit his head. He had, a, he had experience. He went to heaven, shared that with yeah. us. And I thought, my goodness, this was like, I didn't want to go to service because I wanted to hear that story. Yeah. But uh, he had a real Jesus experience. And, of course, he came back to earth. And uh, such joy. I've never, I, you know, after all the trials and tribulations he went through, that man had a smile on his face. When time I saw him, the time we walked oh, out of the church, uh, other yeah. time. Well, yeah. God touched his leg. Pastor prays for him, and he said he felt fire going down his legs. Now, his titanium rod, like I said, had broken, and his bones were still broken. He was supposed to have a surgery coming up next month. Well, he said he felt fire. He began to walk in front of that congregation. He could not walk. He had no, he had no ability to keep his leg without collapsing on him, without those crutches. And he walked after, after prayer. And then he came to the restaurant our last night. And he's walking, the rest, walking into the restaurant yep. without no his crutches. crutches. Yep. His wife was just had you know, smiles on her face. But that's the power of God. And we saw so many yep. people being healed, delivered, and set free at church, as we always say. Again, without you, we couldn't yep. do it. Thank we you could. for your prayers, your support. You know, we're your emissaries. You know, when we get to heaven someday, there's going to be a lot of Brazilians and Mexicans and Filipinos and yep. Italians thanking you for allowing us to go all over the world. Because yeah. you are making a difference through yep. allowing us to go and do what we do. Yeah, you can uh, you can imagine that little boy that couldn't see, people that couldn't walk, people couldn't hear, and uh, just to see them touched and healed, you know, you you can't put a price on that. It it would I don't know how much two new eyeballs cost, but that little kid got it, and so I said, from now on, you go out and you pray for blind people, and That's then you right. bring them to church. That's right. He said, okay. And uh, so he'll be a great miracle worker. Amen. Praise God. So that's where Eric and I was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then we were traveling all day Saturday. All right. So praise God. Hey, thank you, Eric. Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad to be home. Ah, uh, yeah. Right. I'm glad, Phyllis. You always tell me when I go, you're having a vacation. Because you don't have to clean. You don't have to do nothing. So thank God. Hallelujah. That helps the dogs around our neighborhood not to have stomach problems. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to preach today about Jesus. You know, the Greek came and they said, we would see Jesus. And so really what they were saying, where is he? Well, where is Jesus? in the messes of our life. I don't know about you, but when I came to Jesus, my life was a mess. Phyllis told me, if you don't get help, I'm going to divorce you. And for some unknown reason, I, I went and got help. So that everybody doesn't make right decisions under pressure. 
But I love Phyllis with all my heart. And I believe that she's one of the great saving factors of my salvation. And uh, so, but when I got saved, I had a mess. I mean, I had a mess. And, uh, you know, my wife was faithful to me, but I was unfaithful to her. I was doing things that just normal people don't do. And uh, it was just a twisted life. I came from a twisted life. In some way, God took twistedness and he made it straight. And I'm forever grateful to God. I mean, I am ever grateful to the Lord. And so I want to preach about Jesus showing up where people have messed up. You know, messes come from all different ways. They come because of bad choices, certainly. We understand that. Some come because of greed, by people taking unstable chances. It comes from unfaithfulness. It comes from people not holding any type of focus in their life or touching things they should not touch, being involved in things that they shouldn't be involved, wanting more than what life really is capable of giving them where they are. And that's what I mean by that is Lots of people want things that are beyond their capacity to produce. Like, we do it all the time. We live on credit cards. What is that? That's just a mess waiting to catch up to you. But people try to have things that they just don't have the substance to lay hold of or the substance to have where they're at. Now, your faith can produce that. But if you get into the area of credit card, it will one day wake up and bite you. And, uh, you know, I don't care if it's zero. I don't care what interest is on it. It just comes. And Jesus is looking for people that are in messes. I don't know why he would do that, but... He was. He said, I came that I have to go to other villages and preach and teach. He said, because this is what God has appointed me to do. And he would go there and he would find people. There's a reason that Jesus walked down the road of Jericho. There's a reason that Jesus walked in the paths that blind Barnabas walked every day. There's a reason that Jesus walked through the neighborhood of the woman with the issue of blood. There's a reason that Jesus went to a seashore and used a man's boat named Peter. There's a reason why Jesus does what he does. And he's looking to help people because the Bible says that God had anointed him to go about healing the blind, the crippled, the lame, and to heal the brokenhearted and to preach the gospel to the poor. 
Jesus was a master of straightening out messed up lives. And someplace in time, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next year, but ultimately just living in a world that is contaminated by people's messed up lives, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect you. You know, well, I, I ran into, into your car. Well, why? I was texting. Why? Well, my wife left me. So what they got to do with my car? Well, I just told you I was texting. Messes will find you. Amen? Absolutely. So let's go to Proverbs, the 20th chapter in verse 22. Praise the Lord. I, I thank God that he is a mess fixer. He is a mess fixer. Hallelujah. And so many times Jesus wants to come in, but we're too busy or we're too preoccupied by everybody else's opinion and direction except God's. And we want to make sure that we allow Jesus to come in. And it says, say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he shall save thee. <coughs> Excuse me. So, let's go back to verse 32 and do that without the sound effects. Say not thou, I will recompense, or I will give you what you gave me. I will recompense evil or wrong or hurt or insult or slander. I am going to give to you what you gave to me. But wait on the Lord. That word but is a big word. But wait on the Lord. He shall save you. And so we want to make sure that we don't try to make things right because wrong has happened to us. There is no place for retaliation or revenge in the body of Christ. There is no place for it. Returning injury or insult for that which has been given to you is the way of an evil heart. It's said there that it's evil. I won't recompense evil. In other words, the only way that we can respond to evil is to do good. Amen? Well, I don't know about that good stuff always works. It always works. You ought to try it. It's amazing. Now, Human revenge is unacceptable by people that walk with God. It's just unacceptable. Nobody should ever see any Christian retaliating. Now, let me say this in passing. Sometimes we retaliate with enough deception that we don't even get convicted by doing it. You know, in other words, we repeat things. 
You say, well, I'm just letting you know. You aren't letting people know. You're trying to get vengeance. You're trying to get some evil to move their way. And that's not what Christians are created for. We are created to reveal God. We are created to unveil God's love to a loveless world. How is somebody ever going to get out of their mess if what they're doing is expressing the basis of their mess, their anger, their hurt, their discouragement, their unlucky day, whatever is going on in their life. That's why people do evil, because they have never seen good. Let's show them good. Could I get an amen? All right. And then we realize, but people that are not mindful of God, even Christians, can become very vengeful and very aggressive to make sure that somebody is hurt because they did something that's not important to them. Now, here's one thing I want you to realize. If man can destroy what you've got gone, what you've got gone is probably not connected to God. I don't ever try to justify myself. I don't try to let, you know, stick up for myself. Look, everybody knows people on Facebook are talking about me. I don't care. But, well, you ought to say something. No, I had somebody call me and tell me, you ought to say something about this. I said, for what? Well, well, you know, he just saying, he just, you know what? You can't straighten out bitterness if a man does not have access to the healer of a bitter heart. You can't straighten out spiritual blindness just because people don't understand. You know, so I told one guy and went behind the scenes on Messenger, I said, look, you ought to just pray for him. Pray for him. He needs a good rebuke. I said, nah, rebuke won't do him any good. You got to have an open heart to get a rebuke. You got a hard one and you give it. All you've done is just open another can of worms. So I'm really not, now I, I want people to be, think good of me and be kind to me and all that kind of stuff, but I really, um, I don't care. I'm here for a lifetime, a vapor. And in that vapor, I have one goal. That is to make sure that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life and that he stays there and that I don't take any options over his will. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Amen? And we all are. And so we have to make sure that we don't take matters into our own hand. If you have a reputation that has to be protected, then you need to get another reputation. All right, let's go to Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. So let's not recompense evil for evil, but wait, wait. In other words, that word wait, if we went to Isaiah, the 40th, a chapter in verse 29 on down through 31, it, there is a supernatural thing 
that takes place when you and I are waiting on the Lord. Now, you might think that we're just letting the enemy get the upper hand. We're just letting everybody spew out about all kinds of stuff. This is one thing I am convinced of. People that love you and believe in you don't listen to lies and just shameless scorning. It just, what? Who would do that? I wouldn't listen to you to complain to me about Phyllis. I've heard them all. I've said them myself. So, but you know what? We don't do that. But why do we give place to the enemy or to ill or evil when we are to wait on the Lord? Now, the word wait means to find God's purpose and way and bind yourself to it. Now, you may have to bind yourself for a period of time. I don't know what really needs to be done in the area of vengeance or recompense, but God does. And sometimes what God is doing in the time that you are waiting on the Lord, that you are refraining from taking rec recompense or recompense or vengeance is God's really trying to get something out of you. Fire is a wonderful thing. I've ate lots of hot dogs off of fire, but I've also seen houses burn to the ground. Fire is a great thing if you can use it. It can form metal. It can, you know, purify metal. It can do all of that. Or it can destroy something. But when you come under fire from somebody, whether he's demonically used or whether he's just mad, hurt, upset at the world, you know, going through a, a place that God is chastening, whatever's happening, number one, you don't know. So let's not be so quick to release a barrage of arrows upon people that have already fell prey to the devil. And so we are to bind ourselves with God. Now be patient. In other words, don't change because the adversary is changing or the hurt person is changing or the misunderstanding person is changing. This is a real problem in the world. I mean, have you ever said something and then somebody come back at you or post a post about you and the first thing you think is, well, that's not what I meant. I heard Phyllis put a thing on the post uh, on, on the Facebook and uh, she was writing and... Uh, I think she said, what was you talking about? Oh, Phyllis said, I found a stray dog. Found, oh, and she went to say found, and her phone died. So people started posting. <laughs> oh, bless the people's heart. People that didn't even know her, we, or we didn't know. And they said, well, how dare you put you found an effing dog? She didn't say that. 
She found. She found. She didn't have an effing dog. She had an F and forgot O-U-N-D dog. But see, people misunderstand. And a lot of times, people are going to do things to you because they don't understand you. Be wise enough not to fall into the trap to be offended by somebody that doesn't even know you. That doesn't even know you. Could have given amen. Absolutely. Praise God. And uh, so we want to make sure that we don't retaliate or recompense evil for evil. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Um, so do I have that on the screen? Ah, there, Hebrew. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Hebrews 10, 32 through 36. And it says, But call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Somebody say there's going to be lots of messes. Well, I don't have any messes in my life. You ought to try getting saved. First person showed up at my conversion was the devil. And he told me, he said, you can't be saved. I said, well, you liar. You're a liar. I know I've been saved. And I used that all of my life for 40 years, that he was a liar. And it says, partly... Whilst ye were made a gaze, uh, gazing stock, both by reproaches and by afflictions, and partly while as you became companions of those that were so used. In other words, because of what you were doing and because of who you were associating with, people came against you. And then it says, For he had compassion on me, in my bonds, took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. In other words, don't get off track because somebody has done you wrong. And verse 35, cast not away therefore your confidence with hath great recompense of reward for ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God that you might receive the promise you know that having a vengeful heart a heart that wants recompense evil for evil mutual exchange that type of stuff will strip you of rewards and so we don't want to be Vengeful. Could I get an amen? We are to pray for those that persecute us. Have we ever thought of that? I'll tell you some of the things I've thought about in my life was that I would like to be able to go up to people's windows in their bedrooms and appear like a demon in the window. And I would like to say, I just wanted to visit you because I know where you're going. You're going because you have done Peter Dosak wrong. 
God has sent me to warn you, though there is no repentance for you. I mean, that's what I think. I don't do that. So you have demons showing up at your window. That's, that's a, your problem. I, I mean, I wouldn't do that. And so we have to make sure that we don't recompense. It says, Acts 12, 19, Beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give God a place. In other words, rather taking vengeance or recompensing, justifying yourself, instead of you putting and taking matters into your own hands, give God a place. In other words, open the door for God. Now, see, God wants to be involved in your mess. Doesn't matter how long you've been there or why it came, God wants to be involved in your mess. But you're going to have to give him a chance. You're going to have to wait on the Lord. And something supernaturally happens when you wait on the Lord. You renew your strength. I mean, there is a divine transformation when you put things in God's hand. And you try to handle them your own way, you're going to run into problems. And then Paul tells us that we are to make sure that if somebody does us wrong, that we forgive them in the person of Christ. God will help you not to hate, not to be divisive, not repeat matters, not to be involved in things that have no eternal substance of good but can cost you your reward. Give it to God. Well, how long do I have to wait? I don't know. What has to be dug out? See, it's not just them. You are involved in the mess. And sometimes God has to clean us up. Could again, amen. And so, it's kind of like this. Have you ever been in tribulation and complained about it? Does it do any good to complain? No. You aren't going to shorten tribulation. It's a season. What's going to shorten the season is that you rely on God in the middle of it. And if you really understood tribulation, you wouldn't be sad in it because tribulation will allow you to experience God in a way that you have never experienced him before. Do you think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have known Jesus as the aspect the asbestos man, if they would have caved in? Do you think that Daniel would have known him as the lion tamer if he had not stood fast? And the list goes on and on about people that have come through life, come through storms, come through hardships, where they've been hated, where they've been persecuted, pressure had been put on them things that have been said about them. You know, all the time it happens, and it can happen at a whim. But what we can't do is get vengeful. 
Could I get an amen? So wait on the Lord. In other words, bind yourself to God's ways. Just wait on the Lord. Remember, we don't take vengeance on our enemy. We deliver food to his house and water. Not enough to drown him, just enough to quench his thirst. Amen? All right. That's the first thing that I wanted to talk to you. And so we want to make sure that we stay away from vengeance. But Jesus is there to help you. He's there to bring you through. And you can't come out of this world without some type of prejudice or hatred because it's taught and it's instigated everywhere. Amen? The second thing, let's go to John, the fourth chapter. John, the fourth chapter. This lady... is a woman that I don't know how she was married five times. I don't, maybe she was a widow, widower one time. But who in the world would have married a woman that had been divorced four times and not wonder what was wrong with her? I'm just saying. And if a man was married four times, wouldn't you wonder what was wrong with him? Well, I've had all bad women. Okay. That, that's a great story. Someday when I've got a day to do nothing, I'd like to hear your story. Though it probably is not true. But John, the fourth chapter, and it says this, and he began again to teach by the seaside. There were gathered unto him a great multitude so that he entered into a ship, sat there in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, oh, I'm sorry, I'm Mark the fourth chapter. You're just following along, right, Phyllis? Hallelujah. John, the fourth chapter, I'm sorry. And when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees and Sadducees heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judah and he departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. In other words, some place that was messed up. Samaria was messed up. Then cometh him to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parch of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied and with his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman, a Samaritan, to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of the Samaritans unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which is a woman of Samaria? 
and the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, Thou knewest the gift of God, who is that saith unto thee, Give me drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence thou hast this living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank thereof himself, and of his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto them, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again. But whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a living water springing up unto everlasting life. And the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water, and I thirst that I thirst not, neither come thither to draw. Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast said, Thou thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five, five, five of them rascals of husbands, and he whom thou now hast is now not thy husband, and that thou sayest truly. What kind of mess do you think this woman had after being married five times? Just think. Have you ever noted, known someone that went through a divorce and maybe didn't handle it the way that God wanted them to handle it? They ended up bitter. They ended up, after being married again, saying, well, I just can't trust him because of my first husband. You got rid of the first husband. I'm not your first. I'm a second. But divorce leaves scars. This woman was deeply wounded. Can you imagine walking through a street and being known as the woman that had five husbands and shacking with maybe the possibility of number six coming into her life. What do you think that she was like? You, many of you have experienced divorce. You know, people say all kinds of things about divorces. Well, you know, divorce is sin. Liar, liar, pants on fire. The Bible never said divorce is a sin. You said that. If I was you, I'd check with God before I became his unrighteous mouthpiece. Just a thought. You don't know what causes divorce. I don't know if this woman married five alcoholics. Now, you would think that doesn't happen, but people, sometimes their personalities attract certain things. Like I can go fishing and not even get a bug bite. Phyllis walked out of the house and you can see the gray swarm gathering. You, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's rotten meat, but I, 
I, there's something in her skin, she says. But they attack her. But they don't attack me. I'm sweet. The Lord protects me. And since God's so busy on me, he doesn't quite get everything that comes Phyllis's way. But I'm just telling you that thing, people attract different personalities. Some people that have been in an abusive marriage enter right into another abusive marriage. And it doesn't matter what you tell them, they can't help their self. Can't help themselves. They just do it. Well, what if this woman had an alcoholic husband that was abusive? Maybe she had five husbands that were pedophiles with her children. You don't know. I don't know. Jesus wasn't interested in what brought her there. He was interested in the brokenheartedness of this woman. She had no self-value. Think about insecurities. Oh, I wonder if I wasn't pretty enough. I, I wonder if, if I wasn't good enough. Maybe, maybe I didn't cook enough. Maybe I didn't this. Maybe I didn't that. And the list goes on. Listen, divorce brings up whys and comparisons and things like that that people should never be faced with. But it happens. And so we as a church are not to look down our nose at people that have been divorced. And I, I say this not in a funny way, but in one way I do mean it. You know, sometimes we prove all things and we prove that what we got is not what God wanted. Some people get in hardness of heart that they can't get beyond. You say, well, God still hates divorce. Hate is not sin. But what if somebody got hardness of heart? Which is worse, the condition of the hardness of the heart or staying in a marriage where both people are opposed to each other? I've always said I wouldn't stay in a loveless marriage. I wouldn't stay in a sexless marriage. I, I, why? When the boundaries are drawn definitely of what each is to do to protect the other from Satan's temptations. Yet Christians all the time, just like the world, like this, don't like this, and, da, da, and so they redefine what they think Marriage responsibility is. Phyllis has two lips. I expect her to use them as much as she can on me. So, I want you to realize how wounded and how hurt this person was. Now, what did Jesus do with this woman? He didn't stay away from her. He's not like us uh, grocery shadows. 
You know, we go to the grocery store, we see somebody say, oh, Lord. Because we're afraid of their problems. Listen, you're well equipped to deal with problems. I'm telling you, you can help anybody. Anyway, what did Jesus do? He sat down there. Why was he sitting there? He was waiting for somebody. He was waiting to get involved in somebody's mess. And he got involved in that woman's mess. And Jesus, no matter where you are or what you're going through, Jesus is seated someplace around you waiting for you to give him a place. And what you have to do is you have to relinquish your control to trust God. You just got to let it go and let God work it out. Remember, Jesus was anointed by God to heal the brokenhearted. What was he anointed for? For people just like this woman, for people just like people that are facing a desire to recompense filled with wrath, disappointment, dislike, division. That's who Jesus wants to find. And he wants you to give him place. Don't be ashamed of where you're at. Just don't end up being ashamed that you stayed there. And so let you and I make sure that we allow Jesus to get in our messes. Don't hide from the issues that you have in your life. Because if you ever hide from them, they'll just grow in darkness. Amen? Now, if you have issues with people, with money, whatever, you know what? Why don't you just give Jesus an opportunity to clean up your mess? Just to clean up your mess. I was thinking today in Joshua 2, 1 through 3, about a woman named Rahab. Everybody knows who Rahab is. That amazes me that God is not detoured by her past or even his encounter with her the first time through two spies about her present condition. She was a whore. She was a prostitute. She was a woman loose. I don't know if she'd ever been married. I don't know. She maybe have been forced into prostitution because of financial pressures or reasons. I don't know. I mean, I've met people that have been in the gay lifestyle because there was no place for them to live. And if a Christian would have offered them a home, they may never have went into that lifestyle. But we're very selective in our generosity. And so you don't know how Rahab became a whore. But it says that she was a whore, a prostitute. 
during that prostitution, she may have been beaten up. Maybe by the one that was selling her or by the one that was using her. She was probably raped, abused, taken advantage of. Men would make snide remarks. Women would scorn and look down on her. She didn't have such a glorious life. I remember when Nikki was young, we would drive to a Chinese restaurant. We would go down, what is the name of that street? Have you been back there since, Nikki? Okay. And she said, well, I know what I want to be in life. I said, oh, well, great, what is it? She said, I want to be a street walker. I thought, Phyllis, what have you been teaching her? Well, Nikki thought their clothes were classy. So she thought, if I'm a street walker, that's the kind of clothes I get. And you can have them because you can afford them, I guess. So anyway, she grew out of that. Thank God she grew out of that. But you think about all of the past memories of this woman, Rahab. Her first encounter that unveils her faith in God is that she meets two Jewish spies. And she invites them into her house. Her first act of faith is the God that you serve I believe. And so she hides them. They know who she is. But they really don't condemn her and they don't say, well, we wouldn't allow that in Israel. We wouldn't allow it. We just don't do that stuff. Well, they never talk like that. They never shunned her. But her statement of faith in God is what these two men banked their safety on. Now, out of this, they made a covenant, an agreement with Rahab. They said, now, Rahab, when we come to this city and God gives it to us, them not knowing where the wall was going to fall or anything, they said, when you show us that, when you get, when you see that, Make sure you get all your family into this house. Remember, they were saying this. If you believe God, you and your household shall be saved. That's what they told Rahab. And they said, and what we want you to do out of this vast city, we want you to hang a scarlet thread out of the window. Now, I don't know where these two spies were going to be in the line as they walked around Jericho. I don't know. But I do know this, that that little scarlet thread, which was a symbolism of the blood of the Passover lamb, that as she hung it from that window... As the walls of that city began to shake 
when they walked around it seven times on the seventh day and shouted that everything shook except that one apartment. And it held true. Because the blood always makes a way when there is no way. I don't know if they told Joshua the story or the covenant, but God heard it. And out of this, everything that Rahab was, was washed away. When she comes out of the city, she is not perceived, oh, here comes the Jericho whore. That was never said. Here comes a prostitute. I guess they're just going to contaminate everybody. If one person can contaminate everybody, we're all lost. Because there are people in this congregation that are Christians, but they haven't arrived. I'm among them. I've got flaws. You've got flaws. My microscope makes yours bigger than mine, so I feel a little bit better about myself. But all of us have flaws. But our flaws are not big enough or considered wrong enough to allow people that have the same thing to come in and to be welcomed. Oh, Rahab, when she come out of that apartment, she was a new creature. And old things were passed away, and Rahab's past was never reminded. In fact, after being reminded, guess what? She became a part of the lineage of the son of Jesse. She become a part of the lineage of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, a harlot. Jesus' lineage is made up of some bad-looking characters. David, the whoremonger, Bathsheba's wife, child, out of wedlock, child that died the list goes on and God used people just like he's using people today what God wants you to see is this I am the mess fixer now you can handle your own messes if you want but I'm telling you they'll do nothing but get worse you know, everything produces after its own kind. You got a mess, it's going to breed messes. So if you just let Jesus, give him a place, get yourself out of the pilot seat and let Jesus start taking control. Do just what he said to do. And then wait, because as God is 
dealing with these things we've talked about, guess what? There is a transformation taking place. And you're going to be renewed in your strength. You're going to mount up with wings as of eagles. You're going to run and not be weary. Listen, what is that telling you? Is that God is going to change who you were when you went into these messes and he's going to make you a testimony when you come out of them. Amen? That's what God is going to do. So you can handle your own messes. But I would encourage you. Jesus is sitting someplace to help you. There is that covenant of that scarlet thread that he says, just trust in the blood. The woman that was just totally destroyed by wrong choices, five husbands, Jesus has dealt with worse than you're dealing with where you are. And then, don't try to get vengeance. Just know this. Recompense and vengeance belongs to God. And he will repay. I never wish that paycheck up on anybody. But the truth of the matter is that nobody is going to get away with anything that they've done against another. Christian or saint. So, let's today let Jesus into our messes. He's a master of family messes. He had some of them of his own. His brother didn't like him, didn't believe in him, but his mother did. He had division in his own family till after his resurrection. So I'm just telling you, whatever your mess is, Jesus is here to fix it, to fix it. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. Where is Jessica that Nikki had up here? Are you here, Jessica? She's in the youth. All right. Put this on this tape so that she can listen to it. That God says that he has seen her labor and he has seen her struggle. He has saw her ups and downs. She, he has saw her, as it were, put a knee on the ground, but to rise again. And he said he is about to take the clots out of the field that she's laboring in. And God is about to make something smooth out of something very rough. And today is the day that he is changing that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lincoln, you little rascal, you. I would never do this in a thousand years. But I'm telling you, Lincoln, that God told me Today is the day that he is about to change and to reset the chessboard. He's about to put things back into order 
and he's going to give you wisdom to strategically maneuver through the game or the boards of life. And God's going to prosper you, and God's going to use you, and he's going to make his voice clear to you. God has seen your season, but seasons change, seasons come and go, and now the season is coming to an end. Never doubt that God has a purpose and a plan for all of our lives. And I'm telling you that in the name of Jesus, Lincoln, God is going to be faithful to what he has said to your life and about you in Jesus name hallelujah praise God amen come on let's lift our hands up just for a moment here God we love you we love you Jesus we love you we love you we know love God that you love every individual yellow black or white Everybody is very precious in your sight. God, you have a plan and a purpose for every person that is here. Someone is just uh, I don't know if you've left the church, but you just came out of that church because it hasn't been a split, but it's sure been close to it. And you've left that just because of the stress of it. And I would say God is going to heal you. God is going to mend you. And God is going to establish you. Your tree of righteousness. And he will plant you. And he will make you healthy again. In Jesus' name. Now, if you are here today and you're not a Christian, you're here today and maybe you're lukewarm, you're cold, you're indifferent. Maybe you just drifted from God because there's just been too many things going on in your life. Well, the greatest thing that can happen to you is that you get connected to Jesus Christ. He's here to save the sinner and he's here to rejoin himself with the backslider. So if you're here today, I'm going to do it a little different. I'm going to pray for you, and then right after the service, I'm going to ask you to quickly head down here and meet me right here at this altar so that I can greet you personally as being a part of the family of God. Let's everybody pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son I believe he died on the cross shed his blood and he died for my sins I believe God that after three days you raised him from the dead and he is now alive now Jesus I declare my surrender to you as Lord of my life. Come into my heart and I thank you that I am saved, that I've been cleansed, and that as you have 
died for me. I will now live for you. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the Lord of my salvation. Amen and amen. God bless you. We will see you Wednesday night. Hallelujah. If you gave your life to Christ or returned to him, please meet me right here.